And I was just supposed to say, death, death, death. And I think they turned the microphone all the way down. But still, I was standing there in front of that audience with Metallica just realizing, wow, this is the best idol that I've ever <laughs> So I, I wanted to I wanted to start off this episode a little bit by saying, you know, NTY, I'm super hyped to have you here. Okay, and I actually I don't know that I've ever I don't know that I've ever told this story before on the on the podcast. Um, but essentially, the way that I got into live hacking events in the in, in the beginning was I was a plus one of a plus one. So one of my buddies just kind of ran into Ted Kramer. I don't know if you remember Ted Kramer. Yeah, and um, and yeah, of course. How could we forget? And, um, and he was like, he was like, Hey man, uh, you know, I'm a hacker as well. And he's, and Ted was like, Oh, you should come to the live hacking event in DC. And, and so he's like, great. Can I bring my friend Justin or Rhino Raider? I think is what he said. And then at that moment, um, John Botterini, right? John Botterini was standing nearby and he's like, wait, did you just say Rhino Raider? Oh, he just found a, weir- a really weird bug on like XYZ target, right? And then Ted was like, oh, cool. Well, yeah, sure. You know, l- let him let him come or whatever, right? Yeah, if he can make it, bring it on. And so I went to that live hacking event and uh, I somehow placed eighth and became good friends with Kevin Rosenbaum, right? Uh, at that event. And they, because of that, they invited me to San Francisco. And then when I get to San Francisco, um, I get a show and tell, right? And, uh, and after that show and tell, I was like, uh, you know, they invited me to the next one. So I was like, okay, the show and tell is the key, you know, to getting access to other live hacking events. And who is the master of the show and tell, but Inti and every live hacking event that I went to, you know, at the time you were in the the live hacking event circuit at the time as well. Um, Inti was getting show and tell after show and tell after show and tell after show and tell. Um, it, it was sort of like a, a meme, you know, how, how is Inti going to get show and tell this time? Um, so that's why I'm really excited to have you on the pod because you just have these crazy um, show and tell bugs. And I think it's left a big impact on all of us uh, that we're in the live hacking event scene at that time. Um, so with that, man, welcome to the pod. Thank you, thank you. And I gotta say on the show until that the pressure really helped actually. Yeah. It was a paradox. Like at first I didn't like it because I, I knew I, you have to perform for live hacking yeah. events, but I also had that hope had to hit that holy grail <laughs> of show and tell every single time. Yeah. Um, but in the end, you know, I always found a way uh, to do yeah. it. So and yeah, I'm I'm still proud of that. Like, yeah. uh, most people have awards for like a lot of um, critical bugs, etc. And most of my bonuses that I ever got was just like show and tell bonuses. Yeah. Like funniest bug. They wanted like the most creative. Bug oh yeah. Award. I that's also have that also award. known as the Inti Award. <laughs> <laughs> that that's great, man. Yeah, yeah. It, it should get a trademark. On yeah, that. seriously. And and um, no. So I mean, and I and I think show and tell has a really unique part of it's a unique part of the live hacking event experiences because it is what helps. I mean, obviously, you know, when you're at the live hack events, you're collaborating with other hackers, you're talking with other hackers as well, right? But the show and tell piece, you know, um, that is what really, you know, you get an in-depth explanation with visuals, with, uh, in your case, very engaging humor and and uh, very creative attack vectors. Um, and that's what helps us grow as hackers in that sort of context as well. And I know some of the 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 
times that I've grown the most from live hacking events uh, is looking at show and tell, specifically yours. Um, so, <laughs> you know, the best moment in a show and tell, it's like when you're at like slide two or three mm. and everybody sees like a page that everybody, literally everybody I... in the audience, <laughs> and you just know. Oh, damn, I just realized what I missed there. And everybody is like super excited. Yeah, and also a little bit bummed out because they could have found that. Bird. Dude, I think you did that. You used to do that so well too. you know, with the show and tells because it's like and then there's the moment you go to that slide and everyone's like, ah, you know, like, no, <laughs> like, and you can almost hear the vision. I mean, you really sometimes you can. You're like, what? Like this place. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think I think that's such a great piece. I can't even tell you how many times I've seen a bug in a show and tell that I've tried, like almost like either that exact same thing on a different target or I've tried like I was trying similar things and I just gave up and I was like, ah, OK, I can't get around this. And I just moved on. So it's, oh man, it's amazing. I, I think the big thing it's, about your show and tell skills is just like, mm. you have this amazing presentation ability where like- it's the showmanship. Yeah, like yeah. it's it's the showmanship. It's like, you have a very good like speaking, um, like experience. I don't know, you, your, pu your public speaking skills are very good. Mm -hmm. And so your way of presenting your bugs yeah. is very, like everybody can understand it. Everybody's very involved. Like you really hook the whole audience, myself included. And so I think- yeah, that, that's just what one of those things that makes the inti show and tell just like so much <laughs> more elevated. Legendary man, and and so well, thank you. And it's it's a nice compliment coming from from both of you. Mm. Uh, and I think that honestly, it's in a show and tell. It's more about the story than the bug, because mm -hmm. in all honesty, not all of my books were great. In fact, I think I have the still hold, I'm holding the record of having the lowest ratings rated <laughs> book. With the highest bonus on Hacker One, <laughs> I'm quite proud of that. So I think that attack scenario involved like kidnapping the, the queen <laughs> of England, back, like something like that. It was it was ridiculous, and I remember, I remember the program that. managers like telling me like I can't believe we're paying for this, <laughs> but still they did. It's about the story, dude. Oh my gosh, I just got flooded with memories uh. that I remember that show and tell. There is like some some like like the character limit was too long <laughs> for you to show the destination of where they were going and so you could kidnap the queen oh man oh gosh um yeah just think about the impact yeah, yeah. The i mean impact, yeah. That, that would be a disaster um all the royalists would be super upset it would, that would be that, terrible so. it is really um, interesting yeah. that you point that out though because i think like there's always like two aspects to like a bug bounty report and a lot of people when they write a bug bounty report they think about it like uh, as if it's they're doing a show and tell like it like they'll write it out and they'll be like well i was mm -hmm. looking through your website one day and i came across this really interesting endpoint and like from a report perspective most of the time they don't really care about that but if you were to yeah. take that exact report and like put it into a show and tell context it would probably do like pretty well because it's very like oh yeah storytelling like it explains where you were coming from as a hacker like the whole like mind like mental aspect like how you're approaching the problem and those things really matter for a show and tell they don't matter so much for a report but I think like everybody kind of has mm. that ability and it's about sort of like harnessing it to like show it in the right way. Yeah. But, but still during a live hacking event, I would argue that you have to, I mean, that team and, and you, you know this best of all, Joe, mm. like you're getting hundreds of reports in a, in a few days. Mm -hmm. And if you want to get that show and tell, you got to ask 
yourself the question if you're drafting a report how can i make this report memorable yeah, without yeah. you know exaggerating too much because then they will think i'm a stammer and that, like <laughs> there's a thin line but i remember in, in that report yeah. my title said like literally results in kidnapping oh my gosh and it, was, it wasn't a lie <laughs> and, and my report got triaged right away <laughs> so i, don't think there's it, many I mean people. that's some serious impact <laughs> yeah i don't yeah. think there's many people who can say that they reported a bug on hacker one or any hacking platform that that, that says <laughs> results in kidnapping in the title. results in kidnapping oh my gosh okay yeah, but we we have we have a section one, one last thing I, I need to say about that yeah uh, go, about go. impact and and then i'll let you do your thing um recently and and this was at um at integrity and i do have permission to talk about mm, this great um but it was with, with a client of ours of course i cannot tell you mm -hmm. which clients and um so basically what the hacker reported was simply like an authorization bug i mean mm -hmm. it was like a missing permission check and we got to the client because it was fairly critical and that client started panicking and they said the actual impact of this is that people could die. Oh no. So, so that was their impact assessment. And sometimes if you think about it, we bug bounty hunters, you know, we look at an IDOR and we will see, okay, mm -hmm. I can change this bit of data. Mm -hmm. But if that bit of data is, for example, and it was not in that case, mm -hmm. but if that's, for example, a blood type of a person oh, yeah. in a production environment, yeah. Then you have a serious problem and not all hackers think like that yeah i would say that if you want to find good bugs you have to think like a hacker oh yeah not as a q a tester yeah and i all respect for q a testers they mm -hmm. can find good bugs. phenomenal they can probably get paid more if they think about mm -hmm. the story yeah no absolutely that's that's uh that's crazy and and whenever you're dealing with those products that intersect with with real life you know like you know sometimes it's it's information and we'll talk about information a little bit more later and and some of your work that you've done with privacy related stuff and all of that is very important but um you know when it comes down to stuff like you know like transportation like medical stuff like you know all of these things that interact with with our bodies right yeah. then um things become way more critical and it does start it does start to make you realize that the work that we do here, especially in those uh, environments, uh, has a very large impact on people. And I, I have no doubt that, uh, you know, bug bounty reports have saved lives. Yeah. It, um, it's super so interesting really to me cool, when we really think cool about like how internet is starting to affect more and more things. Like I know we've talked about like internet of things and how everything is more internet connected, but I think especially nowadays it's getting more and more. So where it, like, almost mm -hmm. everything is on the internet, like, heart pacemakers cars computers phones cameras door sensors door lock like everything it's all on the internet and so many of those things mm -hmm. are vulnerable attack surfaces to the point where even certain programs will pull things out of scope like united is a great example mm -hmm. where nothing on the in-flight yeah. like infotainment or any of that stuff is in scope because they don't want people to like risk hacking stuff while the plane is in the air because there's so much yeah. risk involved there even if the systems are completely separated they don't want to even take the chance yeah. of like having somebody test on it and so it's super super interesting to see how that's changing over time and how even though it's dangerous more and more stuff is going online that probably shouldn't be online but but is online mm. and now those impacts of like chance of death like this is like a real this is like a real thing and it's not just like an edge case now yeah yeah absolutely and and uh, into you've um you've worked a little bit with the united program right have you have you hacked on them 
Um, I have, yeah, I have in the past. Um, not sure if I can disclose a lot about them. Yeah. I think they're a, they're a great team. Yeah. They have their own way of assessing uh, severity. Yeah, which is a choice. <laughs> Did you uh, say it? it, it he said he said it's a choice. <laughs> that is a choice. Yes. Yeah, but well, so well said. So one thing I I do have to say there is that I always and you know I as a working at the Big Bounty platform. Mm-hmm. I work with a lot of clients that may have their reasons. Um, and Joel, I mean, you, you've also seen both sides, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes we hackers, we easily assume, or we just take, you don't even want to know how many reports, for example, we see like in this hacker wall report or mm-hmm. in this big, big crowd report, mm-hmm. this got ass- assessed this way. Mm-hmm. And for some companies, things are just different. And what I just think is really important and in United's case, they do point that out in the, in the, in the program mm-hmm. uh, description at the fans is um, you have to be transparent. Mm-hmm. It's all about expectation management. Mm-hmm. If you're upfront with the way you score vulnerabilities, even though I as a hacker do not agree with that, mm-hmm. then that's, I mean, not their problem yeah. necessarily. I can just choose to move on and to do something yeah. else instead. Or in, in the case that we saw recently with um, VISS being implemented um, in the Zoom bug bounty program, um, you can also choose to game the system with that with that same standard set of standards, right? So, you know, I think, um, you know, Zoom uses VISS, a lot of other places use CVSS, and then um, I believe United uses the OWASP um, model for, risk yeah, OWASP risk rating model, yeah. Um, and But each one of these models has their own, um, I guess, quirks, right? Um, little weird things that you can do as an attacker. And um, one of the things we saw at the, at the Zoom event was um, one of the hackers, Tom Anthony, found a great way to game the system for VISS, right? And get bugs rated higher than you would normally expect them to be to be rated. Um, <clears throat> and that worked out well for him in the event. And I think that's just uh-huh. a part of the system, right? That's a part of the, the game for hackers and, and, and programs. Yeah, uh, I think that's, that's a twilight territory, honestly, um, because I mean, sometimes, and I mean, we do see both sides of mm-hmm. the table. Uh, sometimes we'll, people will game the system to death. Mm-hmm. And if you're a large enterprise, yeah. you can afford that. And, you know, it's just a rounding error. Uh, the, especially for smaller companies, yeah, that hurts. Uh, while they still care about, of course, being consistent, it can be a little bit tricky. So I do expect hackers to point out. I mean, I prefer hackers to point out any flaws that they may see in the policy, mm, mm. Uh, because we may even give an additional bonus for that. Mm, um, mm. What, it wouldn't be the first time that we said, okay, your report resulted in a, in a policy change. Mm. Uh, we're actually going to pay out for the policy change rather than for the bug that turned out to wow. be. So, I mean, even duplicates can sometimes be very exotic because like sometimes you will have, it's not necessarily the same root cause as in it's not necessarily the same code patch. But then if you would look to, to the process, for example, on, on how to de- 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 they deploy all the instances, mm-hmm. they could also have fixed it over there. So yeah. if a hacker, if a program wakes up with 100 submissions of essentially the same finding, well, are they really expected to pay out 120? I wouldn't yeah, say I don't think so. it would be correct to pay out one. I wouldn't say that they it would be correct to pay out 120. Yeah. It's, it's sometimes you got these edge cases. And hack Luke, just to give him a shout mm. out, 
has done a very interesting proposal on how programs or uh, platforms should deal with these situations. Oh, really? I don't know that I've and seen I that. Yeah, I haven't either. Yeah, he's uh, created big bounty standards on. Uh, on oh yeah, I did actually see that. Uh, I wouldn't. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it's super interesting. It's, I, I think it's it's exactly what you're yeah. talking about. Like you see this a lot, both from like the program side. I, I'm sure every hacker has kind of dealt with this situation in one one form or another, but. Essentially, you're put in a situation where you may have found something systemic or you may have found like a, a repeated issue or something like that. And you realize that this is something the team cares about and something that they'll pay for. Mm -hmm. But it may be very, very similar. And then you're in this ethical dilemma where it's like, should I make as much money as I can here and report these things as separate issues? Or should I group mm -hmm. them together in good faith and tell the team and hope that they <clears throat> award me accordingly for that? And they'll probably fix it in one place and I'll lose a bunch of money, but it's the yeah. right thing to do. Um, and I think that there's no yeah. real clean cut answer, but I'll have to take a look at um, what uh, HackLoop put together there because that sounds really interesting. I do agree that like, I don't think it should be really one or the other. It should be kind of in between, mm. um, but it's really hard to define where that is. And ideally there's also like consistency across all platforms. Yeah. Um, and that is also... Uh, why, at least for the first time with Integrity, uh, that we have uh, had a meeting in, in Las Vegas mm. uh, during DEFCON with both Buckrod, HackerOne, and Integrity yeah. um, to discuss some of the, I would say, uh, issues, but maybe more challenges that we can work on together just so that the community and, and the client base and just the industry as a whole would benefit from. Um, and I think we, we need to align on... on Step, like proposals for standards mm -hmm. like that, but also other things. For example, um, we had the unfortunate event that two life hacking events were colliding. So they were mm. basically during the same day. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of the top talent is present on all the platforms. Yeah. And then, you know, nobody really wins because as a platform, you see that your talent may want to go to the other mm -hmm. or vice versa. And then the, plat the, the the hackers are also missing out on that additional event. Yeah, so yeah. I think it's just good for us to align a little bit more and just work together when it comes to um, the community. And and it's it's been really great. I mean, it's yeah. Um, there's such cooperative, wonderful people to to work together with. That's so, that's yeah. awesome. And I I was I, the heart was warmed when I saw that post on Twitter. You know, with you and when uh, Codingo and Jessica, and it's just like you know mom and dad and dad all living together in harmony and it's just, it's great um yeah. and so i mean, we did a little swagging oh that's cute work. i like that that's great um yeah and so i mean did did that go i guess I, that was one of the things i had on the list to talk about it, it did that go like i mean do, do you think you'll see that collaboration was that was that bridge sort of formed how did that meeting go from your perspective um so Actually, there was already some sort of collaboration. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've been emailing, That's we've good. been slacking a lot. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, because if there's, for example, a new trend in the or a concern mm -hmm. uh, with the community yeah. or in the industry, I mean, it's it's always best for us to align. Um, mm -hmm. Just, I mean, nobody, literally, nobody wins from having disagreements on a community level. It's also yeah extremely confusing for the community. Um, ideally, everybody has the same experience, regardless of the platform mm -hmm. and honestly, also regardless of the program. Right. Um, so I think it's, I mean, we've been doing that in a more informal way and it was just good to now have the discussions in, in person as well. 
and also go for a more formal approach, mm. meaning that mm. if I suddenly drop that tomorrow, that this thing can be uh, continued yeah. as well. <clears throat> yeah. Right, this right. I'm not planning to. Do <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I mean, we were talking about death <laughs> yeah, earlier. So. Kidnapped <laughs> because of a bug. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, this does remind me. As long me. as the hackers are doing our jobs, <laughs> keep Inti live. <laughs> this does remind me a lot, though, of like the safe um, harbor discussions that were happening like a couple years ago mm. before safe harbor was sort of like a default type of thing across mm -hmm. a lot of programs and platforms um, where everybody was kind of aligned in terms of like how we felt like things should be going and how things should be handled. Um, but it was very much so up to programs and platforms individually to determine and set out the guidelines and the guardrails for how things would actually happen and be like, this program specifically designates safe harbor in their, and if they don't, then it's not there. Right. And like, I think now that it's, it's been sort of like adopted as safe harbor. It's not like a hacker one thing. It's not like a mm. bug crowd thing. It's not an integrity mm. thing. It's just like safe harbor is safe harbor. And generally, most programs should have it and should try and adhere to it because that's what makes security research a safe and a productive thing. Mm -hmm. And I think we're starting to get mm. there with yeah, the exactly. same type of like relationship where the programs like it, it really makes me think back on like the old um, rivalries between like Google and Apple and Adobe. And how like Apple would never add Flash Player into Safari or on, on iOS and stuff like that, or how like iMessage is with like Android and that kind of stuff. Where we're now getting to a point where regulators so are stepping in and saying this like type of business um, like disagreement or like business competitiveness isn't productive for the rest of the people who are within the ecosystem, and it's time to step mm. past that and put it to the side and just like move on and let your business be competitive in other ways and let there be certain ground-based factors that are shared across all of the companies and across mm -hmm. the entire community that everybody can take advantage of. Mm. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, I've, I've been doing this, I've joined Integrity in 2017 and, mm. and maybe I've just been looking, but I've rarely come across any form of um, toxic uh, competition. Mm. That's great. And echo on. Um, of course, I mean, sometimes it may happen that, you know, a salesperson may say something mm. that is not fully aligned and then it's on us to better coach them, etc. Mm. But I've always felt like in the eyes of the community, I mean, we share the same super valuable community. Mm. And that at the end of the day, all platforms right now are still 100% dependent on the willingness of that community. Mm. So it's, it's community that is boss and it's up to us to figure out how we can make sure that we make progress. Um, while maintaining the, we see our community as a client. And then of course we also have the client base. Right. And sometimes it's, it's hard to balance that out. I mean, I also sometimes read blog articles from well-meaning or well-intending hackers saying bug bounty should be like this or like this. Mm -hmm. And, and the thing is like, hypothetically, I agree with them. They're making good points, but then if you're walking in a platform environment where you know you have the industry you have the clients and you need to make sure that everybody moves at the same pace not only the hackers but also the clients and i think that change can only accelerate if we as, as the three biggest platforms can just work together um so yeah i'm, I'm super stoked about this and i hope to be able to update you on, on more progress uh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, it, se it seems like we're moving in the right direction with that. And I think that'll improve the experience for everyone involved. Um, <clears throat> so 
I, I guess we, we went down a little rabbit trail. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it back um, because one of the things we were talking about in the beginning was your ability to present and your ability to do show and tell and your public speaking prowess. And I think that's a pretty core piece of the way that you've um, you know, been in the community as a hacker. And I imagine all of that actually started from your radio experience. And as a podcast, you know, we're sort of like, I guess, radio adjacent. So I want to I want to get some I want to hear about your radio history and, and how you kind of got into that that field and, and any, you know, any tips and tricks you might have picked yeah. up along the way. I mean, just to get that out of the way, I didn't have my own show or anything. Yeah. I was not a radio presenter. I worked at the radio station, however. Uh, OK, gotcha. And sometimes I was called in to um, tell a little bit about uh like about cybersecurity in general. If oh, there cool. was something going on, like WannaCry or, or whatever, I would typically go and, and talk about it uh, for a national audience. Mm. Uh, and, and basically then the the true, the, the, the challenge was to make sure that you explain things in a way that is factually correct mm. while still making sure that people don't just switch stations right. <laughs> because you're getting too technical. <laughs> And that, that is, I've, I've learned a lot in that space. Mm, and uh, mm. it's a real art, honestly, because then you also, like, if you're not technical enough, then your core fan base or, or the people that really appreciate you as a hacker will start thinking, like, what is this guy saying? Mm -hmm. Like, can't he just give some proper details? <laughs> and I always love that balance. I think radio for me, because most of the times I was mostly doing the socials, mm, um, mm. Like just doing website stuff as well. Mm. But I was in an environment surrounded by passionate people mm. that knew everything about the subject that I didn't know anything about, right. which was music. Right. They were extremely passionate and like they were the best of Belgium. And what I really like about Belgium as well is that, I mean, the best of Belgium, you can, there's only 11 million people here, mm. right? I'm not sure how many people live in New York, but maybe it's, yeah, it's, it's about equal. probably less than it's that. Like four yeah. times that in California. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it also, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for it because we all still have stuff like the, the public broadcast company at, and the national stations. And it makes it, I guess, a little bit easier for a person like me to step up and to reach audience. And, and I would come into the, to the studio and we would talk with, with the prime minister of Belgium, with politicians that actually can make change happen. Wow. And one of that, those changes that I'm particularly proud about, and this is not only uh, my work, uh, mm. I played a very tiny role in that, um, but is that unauthorized testing in some conditions is now completely legal in Belgium. Mm. Um, so you can oh, go and have a Belgian company as long as afterwards you make your report. And that can be on their computer. There's a couple of rules attached to it, but if there's like a SaaS business in Belgium, then you can just, if their computers are in Belgium and you're a Belgian citizen, you will no longer be prosecuted for, for hacking them and reporting a vulnerability to them. Wow. Which I think is super cool. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And it almost, it almost feels like, you know, like the parallel that you hear all the time with like enterprise organizations and then startups, right? Like, you know, in, in Belgium, or I was actually just speaking to someone the other day from um, uh, South Sudan, and and they're like, yeah, I was I was like talking to the minister of bloody blah, and I'm like, oh really? Oh, that's cool, you know, because because you know in the in these smaller countries you can get access to you know these people um, a little bit easier, and uh, and you can actually influence change, which is really cool. 
Um, During our last life hacking event in Belgium, we almost, but then a crisis happened, so it didn't go through, but we almost got like the prime minister of Belgium to just visit. No way. Wow. Dude. <laughs> yeah, he, he, want, he really wanted to see the life hacking event, but uh, something came in between. Ah. Uh, but that was, that was really That would have been pretty sick. I think, I think, uh, I think I was also talking to somebody who, I, I want to say it was Saudi Arabia, that was at a live hacking event there. And then like one of the princes or something came by the event and I was like, whoa, <laughs> no way. That's, that's kind of nuts. Um, yeah. Cause it, I just hope they didn't have WhatsApp on the Yeah, phone. I know. Right. And, and, and it's, it's a little bit weird, right? <laughs> it's a, it's a little bit, it's a little bit weird, right? Cause it's like, sometimes in security, we feel so niched down, right? Like we're, we're, um, you know, even within our, our community, you know, there, there are celebrities within our community and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, we're a very, very small community. Um, and so whenever, you know, there's interactions with stuff like that, like people that are well known by the normal populace, right? Like the prime minister, or, you know, whoever, um, I think that's, I think that's really cool to see that intersection. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that uh, that's the that's the radio that's the radio you know backstory a little bit. So you you came on. You were talking about cybersecurity um, in front of a national audience. That's great. Now I want to hear a little bit of the hacker backstory. So how did you how did you get into hacking and how did you land in Bug Bounty? Um, good question. Um, I guess and, and I think this goes for for most of us. Uh, I'm a cheater, but not in relationship. <laughs> just. That, that is the disclaimer that I always have to say uh, nice. to my wife. Um, but I, I was never really good at video games or any games in general. I was just lacking. And then I guess I have enough time on my hands to try to find a way to win. And it started it started off with video games. Do you remember like Pokemon where, you know, everybody was like trading? Oh, yeah. And there was like this missing no bug, like this mysterious yeah. Pokemon. Yeah, yep. To me, that was just magic that you could catch a Pokemon that was not in the Pokedex by, by doing what? By first going to talk to an old dude in Viridian Town and then flying over to the other side of the map to swim. I mean, it didn't make any sense. And I really wanted to know. And, and by the way, Live Overflow did an excellent video on that, which we will link in the description. Wow. Mm. Look at, <laughs> we don't even wow, have to do okay. anything. So Very nice. We'll just let him lead all of it. <laughs> this guy's a pro. All right. Um, <laughs> I really wanted to know how that how that stuff worked, um, and yeah, like it, it just started from there. And then I also figured, like, I think everybody comes at a point where they have to decide: do I I want to risk it? Do I, I want to become a criminal or not? Right. But I was well well raised by my I loved hacking. I always wanted to break in, but I don't didn't want to break into jail. So um, yeah, then I found Yahoo. Uh, Yahoo was my first program. Um, and I got to see, they, they had a terrible submission form. It was like, you know, these ma mail tools that would open oh, no. your client. Yeah. <laughs> so you would fill in this form and then you would press submit. And I had like mail toolings, of course, like any sensible person, I had it disabled in my browser. So I would fill in the form, click the button, nothing happened. So I, I was just assuming that it, it was getting sent, but no. <sighs> It was supposed to open your email client, so you had to send there. Uh, but, uh, no. so, yeah, I was pretty disappointed. I was quite happy with the, with the launch of Hacker One that basically my reports would arrive. Um, and that's how I started uh, with silly cross-site scripting bugs. Um, mm. Then I, you know, I, I also did a lot of unauthorized testing because I didn't yeah. know better. Yeah, of course. Um, I got lucky with that though. So I, I think one of the best stories there 
And uh, by the way, kids don't don't try this anymore mm-hmm. because it's I guess it's new management. Um, and I don't really I, I've been telling the story a lot of times, and I don't think he, they will allow me in their concerts anymore. <laughs> but uh, I was a big fan of of Metallica. Oh no! Um, so the the rock and roll or the heavy metal band, yeah. let's say. And I knew that they had to deal with hackers like a, a few years back when when somebody I think stole their whole album or Oof. something. And they had like this meet and greets and I really wanted to meet them. And it was like an online lottery system. And basically, I found a way to do some cheating on the website. Mm. But at the end of the day, because the ethical hacker in me uh, yeah, stood up, I was like, I cannot take this spot. I need to email that, that webmaster and tell, tell them what I've done. Tell them, of course, that, you know, this is not in bad faith. Please just fix it. And they said, hey, you know what, Inti, you can still come to their show in Belgium. Um, you can come and meet Metallica. Um, they sign my keyboard. Dude, I have a team with me. This is for for the YouTube watching. No way. So, this is like Metallica 2014. Whoa, that's crazy. And this is like yeah. Dude. They they all loved it. They all loved it. So then, awesome. Uh, I got on stage with them, uh, and I could do like the backing vocals of they had a song keeping death, and I was just supposed to say death. Death, death, and I think they turned the microphone all the way down. But still, I was standing there in front of that audience with Metallica, just realizing, "Wow, this is the best idol that I've ever." <laughs> so, yeah, and and that's basically, I mean, that was pretty cool swag, and, and they're just dude. You know, then I, I was I was working at the, in in a, in a grocery store. I quit my job the same day. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to do this with my life, and I guess it's sometimes timing and being a little bit lucky and, and just keep on i think your first bug is the hardest bug and i just you know once i got there everything followed yeah for sure yeah. I, I definitely um that's a that's a common thing that i've seen with new hackers and i mean old hackers too but like finding that first bug some of it is timing and some of it is just like there is like a natural like you know acumen or whatever towards hacking where some people just it clicks like really quickly Mm. and they're able to just be like oh like that's all i have to that's what's considered hacking i could definitely do that and then they just Mm. like go do it right and for other people it takes a little bit and they like find that first bug and then it clicks and then they understand that that's what hacking is but um Mm. i I think whatever it is like there's always that like light switch moment where you finally finally sort of like you understand like oh that's hacking like it's it's just like mm. I always like to say that hacking is not a skill; it's a mindset, and it's a way that mm. you have to think about stuff. Yeah. Like you just have to take ordinary situations and you have to kind of like flip it on its head and say, "Oh, okay." Like if I approach this from a different angle and I use this system in a different way, I could, you know, abuse this in in some unintentional manner, and I could make it do things that I, it never was intended to do or never expected that it would be doing. And that's that's what hacking is it's it's not like mm. you know all this like oh i'm gonna put a balaclava on and sit in the dark <laughs> like it's no it's like you know you're just like putting a, somebody else's id in where it should be or something like that yeah exactly and and so many people also think that it's that you need this huge amount of, of technical skill set there's the problem of some people uh lots of people that i talk to especially i see this with ctf players a lot like oh i'm not good enough yet i need to learn more but then I will ask them, like, when do you think you've learned enough? Because some of these bugs are embarrassingly easy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you just need some persistency. I remember this, this story from, I mean, uh, 
I was just sitting downstairs and all of a sudden my, my wife came down and she said, I found it, I found it, I found it. I was like, honey, I mean, she works in, in, in HR and communications, by the way. I was like, what did you find? And she popped the cross-site scripting on while she was doing online shopping. Dude. I was like, how did you? She was like, I saw you doing that. Um, remember a couple of months ago when you, I finally asked, what is that mysterious cross-site scripting thing? And I showed her that she, she remembered it. And she was like just entering it in every single search box, <laughs> every single website awesome. that, that she would come across. And then months later, yeah, she found it. And she, she then expected the bounty, but I had to tell her like, no, honey, no, all the bounty. Yeah, the, the harsh the reality. <laughs> and stop doing this, by the way, because this will get you in trouble. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow, that's that's super hilarious, though. And it, and it is, like you guys are saying, that, that sort of, you know, flash moment, and and you see it. Um, sometimes sometimes it comes a little bit sooner, and sometimes it comes a little bit later. And I was talking to a friend the other day. We actually ended up, <clears throat> we actually ended up recording it. So I think we'll probably put out some shorts or something like that a little bit later. But it was just a really good, authentic conversation with somebody's somebody who's newer to hacking, but has a high propensity, has that that clearly has that mentality, right, for hacking. Um, and he's already found a bunch of bugs, um, you know, in a, in a hardware device, actually, um, just from playing around with it and bypassing stuff. Awesome. And, um, and, and, uh, and I, you know, we were just kind of talking about that. And I think it, it, that is a blessing and a curse, that propensity, that, that um, you know, ability to do it right off the way, right in the beginning. Because, you know, when you, when you have a natural knack for it and, you, you know, you find some bugs right away, you have to grind a little bit less. And then when you go up against a target that doesn't match with your style, it becomes it becomes very disappointing and very challenging and really um, destructive to your ability, uh, it, it, you know, your self-perception as a hacker, right? Um, and so, I, yeah, it's a double-edged sword, I always say to people that are kind of coming in and it, it's great if you've got it, and it, but if you don't, you're gonna learn how to, you're gonna learn what hacking really looks like most of the time, which is sitting there, reading the JavaScript files, playing with the endpoints, opening 500 repeater tabs until your eyes bleed, and then finally, you know, breaking in. There's always a better hacker. Yeah. And, you know, you may be super happy with the bug that you found or, or you may not find a week, uh, a bug for a week or mm -hmm. something. But I, I especially got this during life hacking events mm -hmm. when you see maybe you had a bad day or maybe the target was just not for you. And you see all these people making so much money on exactly the same things that you've been looking at. And then, you know, I just remember, I, I tried to then look at previous scoreboards and see, oh yeah, but in last events, they were way behind mm -hmm. me. So no, it, it, it just all evens out. Mm -hmm. uh, nobody can be good at, at, at anything. My personal technique was totally different than, than other people's technique. And sometimes that technique pays off. What I would do is I would really try to first set, set myself an objective. Uh, what, what do I want to achieve? I'm the hacker, mm -hmm. I'm the attacker. Like what kind of data do I want? And then I would look for the most exotic ways to get there. Mm. Like not the standard ways where I just like, I wouldn't even test like the, the search bar for cross-site scripting, let's say doing a live hack even, because it's, even if it only takes 15 seconds, it's going to be a waste of time just making an invoice for that mm -hmm. $3 split that you would yep. be getting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that's a, that's a very important part in, in of, 
I think, and, and something we've talked about as well, Joel, in the past, these, this sort of goal setting piece. Yep. And, uh, and, and I think it's core to a lot of hackers mentalities. And I think it really allows you to, I, I tested this in a, in a live hacking event recently, and I, I achieved both of the goals that I was going for. And I think it allows you to, to really set up something that you want that's very critical and then and then get there but but for me it was i only got those two bugs during this event it was like those two bugs and nothing else because i was just laser focused on that so yeah. you definitely do miss stuff when you go after that but i would rather find nothing and learn something than finding a lot of mediums mm -hmm. and earning maybe a little bit more yeah uh, but I've, I've had so many occasions where i had this great idea that is totally show and tell worthy and I just can't make it work. But then mm -hmm. the next event or the next engagement, I tried that idea again and I just have, you know, I save my notes, yeah. crazy IDs um, and I tested them and it may work on another target. There's so many times where I just, even after watching other people's show and tells, you go home, you test something on different targets and, and it just works. And, and that is always nice. I've had hackers reach out to me after live hacking and say, hey, you know what you presented there? I tested it at some of the other targets that I was working on. It worked and they offered me a 50-50 split, which is always, I mean, they shouldn't even do that. But I think it's it's quite a nice uh, gesture. Yeah, and I think that objective-based hacking, I mean, it's something that I see so commonly in so many like of the top hackers is that like, even if it's just how they started hacking, like for example, a very com common example that you gave yourself into is that game hacking like a lot of people either they're not good at games so they that's the like start using cheats or writing cheats or like getting into hacking games that way or they want to like you know beat their friends or whatever like and so there's like that drive there's like that objective that like i want to win at this game how do i win at this game like let me find all the ways that i can win at this game and even if it's not like traditional hacking it's figuring out ways to exploit the system and to again that hacker mindset of like reworking the situation and setting that objective and figuring out how you can get there in a creative way that like still works within the bounds of that system. Um, mm. So I was curious to, to that to that extent, like for example, integrity XSS challenges. How is that like something that is helping like to train mm. sort of that skill set while also being like a mm. real world example? Do you think that like having an objective like that is really useful because it feels like it's basically the same thing like you have an objective you know this is vulnerable to xss the question is how mm. Mm. Uh -huh. um good question um i think with so we've actually stopped doing solely cross-site scripting challenges mm. uh, because people were asking for different stuff as well but the the fun thing about cross-site scripting is that there's just so many ways. And it's it also, I mean, whenever we try to do a challenge, we have like one criteria, what do people actually learn from this? And it's not about like, in all transparency, it rarely occurs that we will see one of these payloads actually ending up working on some of the programs because mm. they're so exotic. But it does help us filter out the people that are willing to go that extra mile and willing to do some research and then you know, maybe then they will put the same effort into debugging GraphQL, for example. Mm, mm. Some hackers will see a GraphQL endpoint and there it stops, you know, they move on. Mm. But we really need these people that are extremely good, not necessarily already have the knowledge, because I guess you can just figure out most of the knowledge you need on a, on a specific target in a week, unless it's maybe hardware. But even then, like programs like Intel, they've set up fantastic educational tracks 
for people just to learn how that stuff works. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I think it's, it's on the platforms to help educate people uh, with challenges, but also to enable educators because like we, we cannot do this alone. And, and that is like, if there's one thing that I'm proud of with Integrity is that I think we were one of the first platforms to actively engage with the creator community, mm. like sponsoring people on YouTube, mm. etc. Just like in the first place, just to give them something back. And we were still small. We didn't have the biggest budget, but still to, you know, say, hey, this is really cool. And it's, it's also interesting to see, even as a small player, what kind of an impact that made on the, dare I say, hackfluencers mm. say, uh, scene in, in general. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I really liked what you were touching on just a moment ago with, you know, the XSS challenges. They don't necessarily, you know, and, and sometimes they do equip hackers with knowledge that they need to actually exploit a bug on a program. But what they do, um, you know, what this does result in is you identify hackers that are willing to go that extra mile to learn the thing that they don't know and, and make that happen. Right, and I think that's one of the key skills in in hacking, and especially in bug bounty, is this concept of like, okay, I know just from my general, you know, inch deep knowledge that this is sort of roughly possible, or I have a suspicion that this is roughly possible. Let's take this larger understanding of web architecture, of you know, browser mechanics, of API, you know, uh, structure, and apply it. And and try to and try to learn the details that I need to make this specific bug work. And uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's 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 almost never all in the brain. You almost always have to Google something. You've almost always got to you know fiddle with your 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 exploit for you know twenty thirty minutes at least. And and I think that's the kind of skill that really really takes you far in hacking. Yeah, I would call it like learning how to brainstorm on your own. Yeah, uh, lots of people can't like. What really helped for me is just to get a notebook and to just start scribbling things and, and like start mm. drawing diagrams, etc. Like, okay, here's my goal, here's all. And just like a lot of people are very good in a brainstorm Love if that. they're with a team. Uh, but just taking a moment, I mean, you can also buy a whiteboard and start like putting post-its on that. You don't need any other people from that. And sometimes it can be relieving to be away from the screen. It can be very, very stimulating from your brain to just like, I would try to limit my screen time and try to do most of the thinking while I was walking. Mm. I need to walk around in order for my brain to function. So common. Yeah. yeah. I, I will say some of the best, uh, like thinking, like t moments I've had, or like when, when I've like, uh, I've had like a light bulb or like something just clicked. I've been either on the toilet or in the shower. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's like <laughs> every time I'm just like sitting there, like thinking, just like I've got nothing better to be doing. And then it just like, it snaps. And I'm like, oh shit, uh, go, you know, pop the bug. Man, but sometimes it also brings you in, in embarrassing situations or uncomfortable situations. Like I remember, I'm not, not sure, I, I don't think I can, can reveal the target, but basically I found this vulnerability involving email bounces. Uh, that would basically result in a full account takeover, mm. zero click. And I was working on that bug for like three or four days already. Uh, took the plane, didn't figure it out, bought, bought like the crappy Wi-Fi, but didn't help. That's another 15 bucks lost because I did, I was not able to guess like a T-Mobile number. No, usually on the <laughs> yeah. United, if you just guess a T-Mobile <laughs> number, you can get in. Uh, not eligible for a big bounty by the way. Uh -huh. um, but 
I arrived and we went for a drink with some people that I haven't seen in years. And after this like second beer, like I, there's something with the second mm-hmm. beer always. Mm-hmm. Bombers. All of a sudden, I was I was distracted. I was thinking of my book and it clicked and I remember apologizing, saying, I'm so sorry. I have to go to the hotel right now. I just smashed it on there. And I ran to the hotel because I could no longer wait. I had this this thing and it needed to happen then. And that's when it happens. But it also happens, you know, the feeling at 2 a.m. right before you want to go to sleep that you find like, oh, one more request. It's like gamblers, like, oh, one more spin. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm hitting the jackpot. And next thing you know, it's 8 a.m. And your (laughs) wife gets up and she wonders, what the hell have you been doing? Oh my gosh, dude. You know, I definitely, I definitely feel that with the, with the, uh, you know, right before you go to bed. So many times I'll, I'll, you know, it'd be like three, right? I'll go to bed. This is normally my my peak, you know, is three here. Like I can't, there's no 8 a.m. for Justin. Justin <laughs> goes to bed at four or, you know, yeah. But, uh, you know, I'll go to bed. I'll go to bed at three. I'll be laying in bed just as I'm about to fall asleep. And then, you know, the eyes, yeah. the eyes shoot open and I get out of bed and I'm like, I've got it. And you go downstairs and you get it. And it's so common, you know, you mentioned, before as well such a common theme with top hackers that um you know going for a walk taking a shower getting in the hot tub as i always endorse um Mm -hmm. it 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 gets the brains going and and especially when you're trying to exploit something and you're very close this isn't necessarily going to help you you know when you're you don't really have an active lead right um not very likely but you know if you do have an active lead and you're about to exploit something you just can't get it taking that step away helps so much yeah or talking to somebody about it. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of people that want to collaborate with something that I really appreciated about life hacking events is like the, the happy hour with the customer. Mm. And then you see like some sort of people. Some people will just hang around with the hackers. Other people, if it's uh, one hour, they will spend every minute of the 60 minutes, they will spend like screening the customer, talking to, the, to them mm-hmm. and seeing, like I remember Franz Rosen's first question would be, where would you look yeah. if you were to find a critical vulnerability? Yep. And very often they would come with something and some people would call it social engineering. Mm-hmm. I call it surprise collaboration. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I mean, at the end of the day... Surprise it, collaboration, I like that. <laughs> you know, everybody wins um, and typically... You know, the customers is very like we, we recently had a life hacking event as well, and we came up with a crazy idea hey, can we just have like some sort of system where we can have hackers grab through the source code Mm-mm. if Mm-mm. they have a very good su- suggestion? And I loved how that team was, yeah, why not? I mean, we have NDA science, so yeah, and they're like, I believe that some people found some really good bugs because of oh, that. absolutely, and I'm looking to extend that principle depends on whether the customers want it or not, to other life hacking events as well. Because you know the feeling that you're almost there and you're like, I can spend another 10 hours on this or focusing on something else. I want to know how many bugs people have lost simply because they didn't find that last mile. A little smidgen, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's brilliant. Yeah, we've seen this with... um, And typically... Well, at the most recent event, um, AWS... I think we could say this. AWS did this thing called bar yeah. raisers, um, where essentially they had a couple of people who were employees um, who worked at the company. And if you were really close on something or you, or you you felt like you could raise the impact somehow or you, or you had something that you just thought like might just need some some escalation, you could bring it to them and they would help you 
escalate it from like an internal perspective like oh here's what you can do with this like here's how you can help um, wow. you know raise that impact and i think that's so valuable because yeah like a hacker can get to that level i we've we've all seen it like certain hackers get to the point where they're like at or beyond what an employee is in terms of like their internal knowledge of how the internal systems work mm -hmm. but getting there takes so much time and effort that having a shortcut makes it so much easier and such a better hacker experience to just and say, more productive yeah like i'm i'm like one step away can you save me five hours or five days worth of mm -hmm. worth of trying to escalate this and just yeah. like yeah. help me help me get that last bit because if i was a determined hacker or like a, a third party adversary or whatever i would definitely spend that time but i don't want to right now and and well, like it's making, not just making i don't it want to so much so much like it just makes it so much better it, it does and, it, and it's not just i don't want to either it's it's also like let's let's work together to make this a most efficient process because then you know is what are you going to do once you, they save you that five hours you're going to go hack other stuff right and so i have this conversation with the team a lot you know in, in life hacking adjacent you know sort of scenarios or, or even live hacking events um where it's like okay hey i've got this thing um and uh i i know it's i know i am positive that it's it's going to be uh, you know, exploitable. I just need this one piece of information. I can spend five hours exploiting it, or you can give, you know, look at the code, just tell me what, what, you know, the route needs to be. And then we can just say, you know, all said and done. And I go and find other vulnerabilities for you in that five hours. Right. Um, so it's, it's really a win-win. And I'd love to hear that into, you know, that you guys have, have integrated that in some scenarios um, at Integrity. Uh, grepping through source code would be such a huge asset. Um, so that's really cool to hear. Um, so, okay. So we, we, we've talked a lot about, you know, methodology. We've talked about, uh, you know, live hacking events. We've talked about all sorts of fun things. Um, I want to, I, I, you know, like we mentioned sort of before, uh, and unlike your experience on, on national television, Critical Thinking is a very technical uh, podcast and we like to get in the weeds um, about technical stuff. So uh, I was thinking when, before you came on the podcast, I was like, man, what are some cool bugs that Inti's found? And then like, like you said, like 16 of them, you know, came into my head. Um, the ones that I, I thought would be the most interesting would be the ticket trick. Um, that weird little CSS injection font weirdness that you found at that live hacking event, that bug crowd live hacking event. And somehow you were presenting it to us inside of like a little, little, train car do you remember that that was that was weird yeah i'm not sure if that was legal. Oh, yeah i know right? <laughs> but, uh, yeah that was it was a surprise show and tell. it was a little mini show and tell um and yeah. then and then um this um password slash api key captcha bug so um i guess you know take your pick where, where, where do you want to start maybe let's start with the css injection okay. because it's i mean in essence it was just a terrible bug but it result it resulted in me getting plain text passwords oh my gosh and it's always like how do you like i've had a few i even had like a content injection that the actual impact was remote code execution because you know i could just inject something in a code that people were supposed to uh, like copy and paste and execute as root on their system. That was my first so, live hacking yeah. event, by the way, when you did that. And I was like, who the heck is this guy? You know, so that, that's amazing. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that, was, that one was really simple. Um, but then the CSS one, I mean, and I, I feel really sorry for the team. I wasn't doing particularly great. And you know, the feeling where you're like, I'm exhausted of the target, yeah. it's, it's pretty hardened. But I had this one little bug mm -hmm. and I was like, 
I just want to max this out. So I wrote this like nine page report that I don't think every, anybody read in the end. I think they just called me and said, we don't have time for this. Like, give us a demo, give us a TLDR. Right. We're not going to triage this. I do understand that. Yeah. Um, but what, what I did is I, I found a CSS injection and basically the only thing I could do is um, like add a font and change like the position and, and basically style of the page. So was this I couldn't even was this a CSS yeah. injection via query parameter? Was it a post body request? Was it an upload? It was stored. It was stored. So okay. Basically, yeah. Um, it was like a, some sort of online collaboration thingy. Mm -hmm. And I could just in like as an other platform user, I could send you like an invite and it would kind of show up on your um on your oh, sure. page. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I basically had like I could not pop any cross-site scripting, tried really hard, didn't work but I could mess around with the styles. Um, but because it was on the home page, I was like, hmm, this is not a login page, but what if I can make it look like the login page? And then I started just moving all stuff around and around and around because you cannot, like with a CSS injection, you cannot really add elements easily. Mm -hmm. You have to just work with the elements and every single element you can probably like make it look totally different. But then at the end of the day, I wanted to have like a hundred percent match of the login page. Yeah. And then I took like a text box. And what was interesting about the text box is that if people, it was basically a form where people, I don't remember exactly what it was, mm. but let's say in the, in the uh, event of me inviting you that you could type something back. Like, like a comment or something. Yeah. 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 Something that I could see if you would like hit enter. And I would take that as the, password field so basically then i found the font because you know nobody would just see their own password and right. submit it like that it, it doesn't so i found the font that it's like all dots like it, it really like you know the black dots <laughs> type of password um, and it, i would just replace for that specific form field i would replace that with um the black font style. I, I think I, I made the font myself. It didn't exist. Yeah, you mentioned that you had. Yeah. Yeah. And I hosted it somewhere and it got loaded. And then basically what ended up happening is that I would send you this invite. You would open your, like it was stored. So next time you would go to the page, you would see the login screen. And you would just try to log in. Um, and even though it was not a password field, it would look like a password field. You would press login. Nothing would happen, but you had then sent me a chat message with your plain text password. Oh my gosh, dude, that is like <laughs> an amazing vulnerability. Okay, so you <laughs> you you send us, you know, like an invite or something like that. It gets there. You trigger the CSS injection. The CSS injection allows you to reorder elements. So like maybe you like grabbed a div or something like that. You know, put it as white white background, overlaid it over the whole page. You know, position absolute, right? And then you re you took elements from the page, moved them around, put them into spot to make it look like the home page. And then whenever they would press the submit button or whatever, that would login, yeah, yeah, the login, login button, right? It that would take their password, which was concealed via a yes. custom font, and send it directly <laughs> to you. Yeah, exactly. So crazy. Oh my gosh, dude. I just, I, I don't know that I fully understood that when you did that, that show and tell. I, I have goosebumps right now, man. That is amazing. And it actually, um, and, and so, but I do remember that day. One thing that I do remember from that conversation we had in that little weird train car thing was, um, 
was that CSS is a lot more powerful than I thought it was, right? So I've been looking at CSS and bugs ever, ever since. And one of my highest paid bounties at this point, well into the five figure range was a CSS injection bug. Um, so thank you for that, for one. Um, but for two, this actually makes me, reminds me of a bug that I found that I'll just mention really shortly, quickly here, which is very similar, actually. You'd send an invite and it would go to the homepage and it would be stored and there was a CSS injection. <clears throat> But it was only in an image, right? So you could you could define the background image, right? So what I did was I put the logout URL there, right, it, as that background image. So every time they log in, it would go to the homepage, it would load up my invite, and then it would log them back out. <laughs> and so it, it dosed the whole application. Um, and and so these sort of like I think being exposed to these sort of creative attack vectors, like reordering the whole page or like reforcing the logout. Um, those those should really expand your your attack vector ideation um, and and help you know you understand what kind of bugs are possible out there. So, Inti, th yeah. thanks for sharing that, and man. It's it's not about the bug per se because a lot of people will say, oh, it's it's CSS injection must be low, right. it's cross site scripting, it must be medium. That doesn't always count. I mean, you will have programs that are more receptive to textual impact, and we always encourage them to. Uh, obviously, when it comes to CVSS, it may be a little bit more tricky mm -hmm. because then, you know, CVSS doesn't really consider, at least not the CVSS V3, mm -hmm. if, like, it's the password that you're stealing or something else. And, yeah, then maybe you could argue mm -hmm. that you could have full control, but, you know, it, it, it can get messy quite quickly. It can. One last example, I would, uh, now that I'm thinking about it, about a cool CSS injection that I once found that I think got... Uh, uh, over 5k reward maybe mm. it was 6k um that was like in um i won't tell the service but it was some sort of document signing service like i just knew that it, it had some legal importance mm. and i found a way within the pdf that would first preview to the user before they would sign it um, i had this like css injection there's not a lot you can do with it because at the end of the day they you know, they read it and they sign it mm -hmm. and both the CSX injection was present on the front end and in the actual downloaded PDF that would be the official PDF that is now legally binding. Mm. So the only thing I did is I put like an image over the whole screen, like over the whole page. Um, but then I looked at the user agent. So I, this was an externally hosted image and my user agent would do, like depending on the user agent, my, my server would like file a normal contract the moment they would see it, but the moment that the PDF parser would do its thing and make everything legal, it would see that it's now like PDF wiki, whatever, like some sort of library, and it would serve a totally different document still with their signature on it. Oh no. So I could basically have people sign whatever I wanted oh. just by having a CSS injection, server-side CSS injection, that was also on the front end. So just by looking at the user agent, I was able to, you know, you know that impact is, is, is quite quite high, of course, because you can just, and then you can start gaslighting people like, oh, you, you didn't read the contract properly and you can just change it afterwards. It was a mess. That's and I'm very happy that the company properly assessed that. Yeah, yeah that's a very high impact volume. Joel, Joel, this makes me think of a bug. I don't know, like a, a bug by John Botterini. Did he tell you about that bug last I year? I don't think he did. Okay, so John, I don't know. We got to have John on the podcast sometime. For but sure. the TLDR of it, with with being 
uh, you know, vague is that he found a way to force the company to violate a bunch of like standards that the government has set up that have penalties in place, right? So he's like, he's like, all right, I, I, I submit this request and it sends off this chain that like registers something with some third party, you know, government thing, right? And essentially, because there was a, a rate limiting bone there, he could do it a bunch of times and it, it would result in just like massive fines for the company, like 15K a pop sort of sort of uh, fines wow. for the company. And they like, like he reported this bug and the legal team like was in contact with him within the, <laughs> the next like, you know, five hours, like, please, you know, let's have a conversation about this. And I just think like, that is like such a John bug for one, you know, like just very thoroughly understanding e- the whole system, even to the point where you understand the fines that are in place in, you know, from a governmental perspective that affects this sort of functionality. So yeah, it's beautiful to see bugs like that. I think one of the things that I love about sort of all the bugs that we're talking about right now is that if you were to take this from like a purely a, like a bug, like classification standpoint, like what kind of bug is this? Probably most of them would just be like, immediately considered like out of scope or whatever because like yeah phishing or 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 html injection or whatever right but it's not it's not about that it's about figuring out like what is the security impact what what is the risk model for this company and how do i target my bug to apply perfectly to that risk model even if classically it would be like out of scope how can i make Mm -hmm. it in scope by figuring out the way that to make it impactful for this company and i think a lot of times Hackers will find a bug. They'll be like, oh, this is, you know, HTML injection. Let, let me move on, find something more severe, find an IDOR or whatever. And they just like leave it as it is. But if you stick around and you like really persist and you take a little bit of extra time and effort and you figure out what is that threat model? How do I apply this to the threat model in a meaningful way? You can really escalate the impact of those bugs to take something that would typically probably not even be worth a bounty. It might not even be worth a report and turn it into something that is super critical, super high, like definitely worth a bounty. And one of those like forever stories that you're going to tell about an awesome bug that you found and how you escalated it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that making that translation between a risk model and program guideline is still something that we as bug bounty um, platforms is a, you know that's the problem that we need to solve um it's it's a really difficult problem because you know cvss is quite you know in terms of expectation management at least you can debate about metrics and still it's not perfect i'm, I'm looking forward to to see if it's before but then again how do you like properly translate because not every company as well is like i understand this willing to share their risk model with the outside world mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. if they, they have like a uh, public big bounty programs. So I think that like in terms of transparency, that is still one of the challenges that, or unsolved problems that we'll have to tackle in the, in the next few years. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally agree. <clears throat> um, so let's, let's hop back over to another, another vuln, the ticket trick. I think this is probably the, the bug that you're most well known for, uh, ha- having, Having uh, found it, you know, discovered it, built the logo for it, you know, got it, got it out you there. The name and a logo, and you the domain and a logo before you found it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Um, initially, I wanted to, uh, and, and the report is public. Initially, I, I believe I, I wanted to name it horrible decision. <laughs> I wanted to name it slag door. Oh, oh wow! I, I, I thought uh, I, I thought he was going to say I wanted to name it horrible decision. <laughs> I gotta say about it. That's one way to describe bugs. Slag, yeah. The Slack Corporation rightfully did not uh, agree slag with that jack. because it was not even their their, their problems. So, right. You know, uh, no, uh, we went for ticket. That's first. great. So, so just give us a, a little, um, a little high level overview of that, and then maybe you can talk about some of the ways that you've yeah. used that bug to gain access to organizations. Um, again, it, it started with I was just bored, and I picked a random program, which was GitLab. And I think it was even like a VDP back then. Mm. Um, and I saw that they had like this. I was, you know, I'm. I've always been intrigued by by emails. I think there's, uh, I found a lot lots of bugs, but I think my most interesting bugs had something to do with email. Mm. What e makes email so interesting is that basically it bypasses all the security application logic, like stuff like two FA, etc. If I can get into your email, I can probably like reset your password. But also, like there's a whole bunch of information that these email systems will just sent like links to exports whatever um so i was always intrigued by that and i saw this this feature of gitlab that you could send something to an at gitlab.com email address to like create a ticket so i was just messing around with that and at first i was like trying to send over like payloads um attachments with a php file you know whatever mm -hmm. i didn't realize that gitlab is not running on php at all <laughs> so i was a skid back then <laughs> Um, then I was like, but what can I, like, this is a behavior and a behavior plus a good story can be a probability. And that is actually what it turned out to be um, because then I was also like, okay, what kind of other data do they have? And where, where are these people working with or what are they working with on a daily basis? I was going through their job section, doing some reconnaissance there when they, you know, they were presenting themselves quite transparent, quite open. And they said, you know, we do a lot of things through Slack. So I went through their Slack page. I was like, I want to get into this, this Slack. There must be so much interesting information in there. Um, and of course, there's a couple of ways to do it. The traditional ways are just like maybe trying to hi hijack a rogue integration, try to hijack the accounts. But I saw that anybody with an at GitLab account could simply sign up. So I was like, hey, let me like grab this email address that I got for my ticket tracker on GitLab and it was like a very long email address and pasted in there because it was a valid at gitlab.com email address. Mm. So I pasted it in there, I, I checked, I uh, pressed, okay, I want to sign up for the Slack. Slack said, okay, we've sent a re registration email to that email address. And surely enough, a new ticket got opened on my instance saying, hey, welcome to the GitLab Slack. <laughs> Because, you know, it wasn't valid at gitlab.com email address. And yeah, that's how I got into their Slack. Um, they were still a VDP back then. They went to, to, a, to a paid program like a couple of months. No. Which I still uh. But I told the CEO, which is a really cool dude. Um, I met him during a live hacking event, like in, a, in some sort of karaoke bar. Mm. It was a weird setting. And I told him about this, like, yeah, I probably got you one of your most impactful books outside of the platform. Yeah. 
and I got nothing for it because he was still a VDP. And the cool thing then was he, he had like he took his wallet, took a hundred dollars in cash, and just had it. <laughs> no it way. Thank you so much. And okay, it was only a hundred dollars, but he didn't have to do that. He still did it. Then I would appreciate Dude, that. That's that's, that's awesome. so meaningful. What, what an amazing way to connect with the hacker there. That's yeah, because it was his own money. So yeah. he couldn't, he can't expense that. Right. right. So that's really appreciate it. That's so cool, man. What, what a, what a cool guy and what a great story and what a great bug. Um, yeah, I, I've always been fascinated by that, and I've never actually found one myself. I've read your research time and time again, but I've never actually gone down the, you know, um, uh, you know, the rabbit hole to find one. And the reason for that is, is, is and, and I've seen plenty of places where I can do like, um, you know, send an email to you know at whatever dot com, um, sort of situations. But the problem for me is I have a hard time finding. Um, things like Slack and like, you know, I think maybe Asana was vulnerable for a little while or something like that where I can utilize that email. So, so how, do you, how do you do that? So the thing is Slack actually mitigated the part of the problem. Mm. Um, they didn't have to do this, but right now if you were to sign for Slack, mm. um, you would get like an invitation email and just will say like no reply dash and then a very low random token at slack.com. And I really appreciated that because even though it wasn't necessarily their problem, that's a misconfiguration on their client side, they still understood that this could have been really impactful. And they implemented, they changed the way that they... So I, I could basically no longer sign up for certain services with, for example, no reply at Slack.com. So I would just get a ticket. Mm. Uh, and that would make typically make it a little bit harder. Um, but yeah, it's been... Huh. It's, it's, it's one of these bugs where not a single instance is the same mm, mm. Um, and the impact can, can be greatly dif different, but mm. like the base scenario is, is typically, look, if you, sometimes what happens is that a company has like a help desk and they have typically the, the, um, the user management system is not properly aligned because companies don't really build that themselves. Mm they still need a way for users to, to view their tickets. Mm. And what sometimes ends up happening is that people have an account on the platform itself, but not really on the, on the ticket portal, on the service desk. So what you can sometimes do if you know where to find like the self-registrations or API endpoints for these things is you create an account in their name. Sometimes they will not require you to validate your email address and then you can see all of their open tickets which is, or every email wow, that they send dude. to that email address wow. to like support ads, you can, you can hijack, but also knowing that people would send stuff like GDPR requests, etc., to there. Mm -hmm. It's always interesting to try and sign up with a victim email on the support instance, mm -hmm. um, because then you can start intercepting emails to support ads from that email address. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that that that's extremely impactful and all of these all of these email things are super fascinating. I know we've only got I think you have a hard stop in 10 minutes. So, um yeah. I do want to and unfortunately we're not going to get to everything that we that we had on the list for today, but I do want you to give us a quick overview of the time you used a captcha to phone <laughs> a company. Can you can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh it was like uh, some sort of password manager mm. and one of the, I was just browsing around and I saw that my own like test Facebook password was being displayed in play text 
on the website. Mm. So just like in an API endpoint. And that's normal, right? Mm. Because password managers, in essence, they have, they have, have to, to do that. Yeah. Main text password. You know, that's, that's the only company that has a valid use case to do this. I, I was going to say, I don't think that's normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, with, with but password case, managers, yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's literally like the only case. And still then, I think there's like some mitigations around that still. But back then, it was pretty normal. Um, so I was looking at my own password and I was like, oh, damn, like I cannot, like it's probably pretty bad because if somebody has like a process scripting bug on that asset, you can just grab it. But that was not the case. It was pretty well isolated. Mm. But I did notice that you could embed it into any page so you could just put it in like an iframe mm. and then i could for example no x-frame options okay like justin here's your facebookpassword.com and i would literally show you your facebook password just by embedding that on my page but you know how sandboxes work is that i couldn't act like as the owner of that website mm. i would not be able to access that information i could only display it to you so that that is of course where your hacker mindset has to start popping up and then, then you have to figure out, okay, I can display this to my victim. How can I make them give it to me? And naturally, I was just thinking of captures because that's the only kind of scenario where somebody is shown something and they type it back to you. Right. But nobody, literally nobody would ever just be like, oh, let me solve this capture and be like, oh, that's my, that's my problem. <laughs> Um, it's, I mean, unless you use one of these randomly generated, then it's quite funny. So I made this whole POC where I would like isolate because I knew how um, wide and tall the letters were. Mm. I would isolate all the letters, like work with the average length of a password and added something more to mm. them. And then try to fit them all like in a captcha box, applied a whole lot of CSS, CSS wonderful, um, like filters on it to make it seem a little bit distorted so every letter would be tilted and you know a little distorted at a different degree so it, it would look like like a valid it looks like a captcha like, too man i swear to god it so looked so much like a captcha yeah i would also like flip them around so so all letters would be at random positions and people would re really recognize the, the passwords anymore you know right. if you're Filling in a captcha, you don't expect it, but certainly you won't think, oh, maybe this is an anagram of my <laughs> So, yeah, it just it just worked. And I, I was able to, during the show and tell, to present like this captcha that would actually just feature yeah. people's password and they would fill it in and submit their plain text Facebook oh, wow. or whatever password. Oh my to. gosh, dude, that's amazing. Wow. Can, you, yeah, can you imagine ty typing in a caption and be like, wait, this is... This is a perfect anagram for my password, you know, like that's, <laughs> that's hilarious. And I think, you, you know, another way you could even, and I don't think this attack works anymore because of the way same, same site um, cookies would work. You wouldn't be able to iframe in a page and have the cookie still sent to it cross origin, but unless they have same site set to none on those cookies. But, um, you know, the other thing was like, everyone knows that time when they have to submit a capsule like two or three times too. So if it was longer, right? Like you could, you could say, all right, the first eight characters are going in this one and then they, you know, they submit it and it's going to be like, no, yeah, try again. <laughs> and then, and then try again. And then, and then, you know, it's the next eight characters or whatever. And like, you could, you could get up to like, you know, 16, you know, 20 something, uh, you know, length of passwords. Yeah, so just keep failing I thought that was such a creative. <laughs> Yeah, and you, you you presented this at a live hacking event, and it looked exactly like a captcha. And yeah. I was like, I would absolutely do this, you know, like, <laughs> and it's that was terrifying to me. 
I believe I called it uh, the gotcha. The gotcha. That's <laughs> it, awesome. dude. Yeah, gotcha. So freaking yeah. good. Amazing. Um, cool. Well, that's awesome, man. I yeah, we only had a couple. Uh, go ahead, Joel. Well, I was just gonna say, like, before we run out of time, I did want you to talk a little mm-hmm. bit about the upcoming live hacking event for Integrity. I know we're like kind of mm-hmm. hard pivoting here, but they, again, we only have a yeah. couple minutes. So, would you mind giving us sort of a, right. a rundown of sort of what's going on and what's coming up and all that kind of stuff? Sure. Um. Yeah, I'll, I'll just give it TLDR because I do have a hard stop. Mm. But um, yeah, we're, we're running a pretty exciting live hacking event with, uh, with Intel mm. in October uh, in Lisbon. Yeah, It's going to be their, their first biggest live hacking event uh, ever. Uh, we've done education live hacking events or so smaller scale mm. uh, things with them before. But this, this one is going to be insane. The targets, I can tell you, are going to be very good. Oh my gosh. Uh, we always try to take care of our hackers as well making sure that they not only get the opportunity to find really good bugs, but also get the opportunity just to have fun and to socialize and basically do that community building around the, the Intel program. Um, yeah, and, and one of the things, and maybe that's the last thing I can say about that, one of the things that I really appreciated about um, this this kind of event is that basically Intel is kind of democratizing life events a little bit. Mm. So they're like... For local hackers and for people that happen to be around, etc., they could just like apply for non-sponsored seats. Yeah. You know that there's always this this mysterious group of people that always gets invited to live hacking event. And even there, we have rules for. But to some people, it, it seems like it's you know we're just inviting our friends. Mm. And that's not really true. Mm. There's a lot of parameters that come into play. But still, people sometimes really want to go. And what yeah. I really love about this concept is that people can just pay for their flights and go there and have fun and, and, and do it. And I, yeah, I really think that is a cool concept that we are exploring for other events as well, because I think that everybody at least should have the chance in their life mm. to attend one of these. Yeah, dude, that that's awesome. I know so many people really appreciate that. I've been talking to people and that has been making a, a ruckus in the community for sure. You know, yeah. people are really excited about that. Joel and I are both going to be there. We're both uh, very excited for it. Um, so yeah, really looking forward to it. Uh, Inti, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, we can find you actually, you have two Twitters, so I don't, I don't know which one you want to call out. Take security. That, yeah. Okay. So it, I have NTDC, but that's my Dutch account. That's your Dutch Sometimes account. Sometimes I tweet in English. Okay. It's, uh, it's quite confusing. So that's, that started off as my radio account. Okay. So that is also why I have a huge, uh, Dutch follower base on that. Right. I've made tweet in Dutch. Everything bug bounty related is going to be secure in secure NT on Twitter. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Anything else you wanna you wanna shout out with your socials or or integrity or anything? Shout out shout out to you guys for setting this up and creating content uh, for for the rest of the community. Uh, I think it's super valuable. Uh, I love what you guys have been doing, and I look forward to to see more of it in the future. You guys are my heroes. So, uh, thank <laughs> well, you. Awesome. Uh, thanks, NT. Thank you very much. That's 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 awesome, man. Um, we'll definitely be looking forward to the live hacking event and uh seeing you on the integrity platform yeah see you soon all right see you man see you bye that's the pod